This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 135. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. Well, my guest today on the show is Jamie Berklin from Bar 40 Bitters. He's a flavorist. I never heard of a flavorist before, but that's a pretty cool title. So uh, the Bar 40 Bitters, they're very unique. They're, they aren't uh, aromatic bitters like Angostura or f- fruit flavors or anything like that. They come in four varieties, sweet, salt, sour, and umami. And they're very interesting. A few drops can really change up the flavor of your, of your cocktail quite a bit. So we'll make our cocktails of the week during the interview. We do a Manhattan and a Negroni, uh, my two favorites, by the way. And uh, we make the Manhattan first with umami bitters, and then we add a few drops of the sour bitters. And then we make the Negroni with salt bitters, and then add some sweet bitters. It was really interesting to see how uh, it really uh, those few drops change up the flavor of the drink so much. Jamie sent me these recipes, and uh, each one has some great comments or notes that go along with them, so uh, I'll post those up on bartenderjourney.net. All right, before we get to the interview, let's do a Book of the Week. Well, uh, the Book of the Week, I was going to make the Book of the Week uh, 901 Very Good Cocktails, A Practical Guide by Stu Ellington. But much to my surprise, it sold out, and uh, on Amazon, you can buy one used for $360.31, plus $3.99 shipping. Well, when I saw that price, I was, uh, I'm was i glad to have my copy here. I've got an autographed copy here, and uh, I guess it's worth a little money. That's pretty cool. So, uh, well, go, go and buy it if you like. <laughs> I'll put a link up to that on uh, bartenderjourney.net. But uh, you can also download the book as an app for just $3.99 on iTunes and uh, it's available it's not yet available for Android but it looks like it's in the works so it's coming I met the author uh, Stu Ellington at Tales of the Cocktail last year actually 2014 and uh, I have a little clip uh, I'll play for you in just a second but first I'll tell you if you do go over to bartenderjourney.net and click on any of the Amazon links uh, you can click on the $360 link uh, I was just telling you about for this book. Um, but whether you buy that book or you buy something else, after clicking through the Amazon links on bartenderjourney.net, anything you buy will help out the show a little bit and it won't cost you any extra. And I'd appreciate it if you uh, if you do that. Anything you need to buy at Amazon, just go to bartenderjourney.net, click on any Amazon link and buy anything and you'll be helping out. That'd be awesome. All right, here's my chat with Stu Ellington. So my name is Stu Ellington. I'm a writer by trade. Uh, never has worked as a bartender, but developed a huge passion for cocktails a few years ago. Uh, my wife and I were hosting a, a 40-year-old birthday party, and we made it a, an early 60s-themed cocktail party, and I wanted to look into what were the popular drinks at the time. And in doing so, just became hooked on all the fascinating tidbits around spirits and cocktail history, like the fact that green chartreuse is made by monks uh, for 400 years who are bound by a vow of silence never to reveal the recipe. And it's all very mysterious and historical and cool. So I decided I needed to learn everything I could about cocktails and spirits. So I embarked on a project to mix a thousand different drinks and, and photo document them just for shits and giggles as a self-educating project. And that eventually morphed into a book, given that I'm a writer. It just kind of lent itself to that. So here we are with the book. And it's, I'm really fortunate. It's been well-received by the bartending community and the industry community in general. So um, I feel very lucky. It's called 901 Very Good Cocktail. Yes. You said uh, you said 1,000 before. What happened to the other 99? I actually ended up mixing about 1,100, and then I weeded out roughly 200 that I didn't think were up to snuff to be included in the book. So 
So all the drinks are taste-tested and star-rated by me, which I think is kind of a rarity for a huge book of cocktails that the author has done that. So one cool. way to differentiate. And an expensive hobby. Um, I think at this point the sales have almost covered everything I invested in liquor to do this. So it's it's I probably will break even at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great looking book and uh, spiral bound, so it can sit on your bar and. So uh, spiral bound, it's it's meant to be used. Uh, the pages are gloss varnished, so you can actually spill on them and wipe them off, and they're going to be okay. Uh, definitely a working cocktail book. What stands out in your mind as far as the cocktails you made that you had never heard of before? Um, I have a list of the 16 greatest cocktails uh, in creation, in my opinion. And um, there's just an amazing collection of classics and contemporary cocktails. Um, an example of some classics would be, you know, a Manhattan and an Old Fashioned. Just incredible formula been around for 200 years still outstanding drinks and then i've got some much more contemporary drinks like uh, bobby hugel's apparent sour which is a mixture of aperol lime juice and saint germain and it's probably the most tasty cocktail i've ever had in my life it's, it's really really good yeah aperol is amazing stuff it's not taste you're you know accustomed to tasting every day you know so exactly. that's, i think that's what makes it fun yeah. yeah very fun lots of flavors out there to discover and you know it's been a huge discovery process for me so yeah lots of fun Cool. Very cool project. Thanks so much for talking. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, yeah, like I said, if you want to uh, buy that book or uh, $360 or just buy the app for $3.99 on iTunes, uh, you can do that. Speaking of iTunes, while you're there, uh, search for Bartender Journey. Bring up the uh, Bartender Journey page on iTunes and uh, leave some ratings and reviews. That would be awesome. You can leave five stars. You can leave as many stars as you want. Five is the most you can leave. And uh, if, you leave, if the show's helped you out or you enjoy it, uh, I'd appreciate it if you write just a sentence or two. Uh, and it helps us raise up in the ratings a little bit, and it helps uh, other people find us. Hey, right now we're listening to Mousetrap by Apache Tomcat. All right, we're going to talk to Jamie from Bar 40 Bitters. And don't forget to stay tuned to the very end of the show for our toast. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Good, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thanks for uh, meeting me here on the Internet. No problem. All right. Well... What happened? I, I saw on the uh, website you're a mustache maven. Shaved it off? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my girlfriend made me shave it off. But uh, don't worry. I'm, that uh, I'm actually uh, still for that, that was for November when I took those photos. Uh, so right. uh, I, in a few days, I'll be starting my mustache again. So okay. this, this year, I think I'm going to go with a handlebar again. I usually alternate between the, uh, the three musketeer and the, uh, the handlebar. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you how you managed to uh, come into making bitters and a, a ri- very uh, unusual original bitters, by, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm more of a flavorist by background. Okay. Like, uh, basically, I, I'm really heavy into like uh, tasting. This all sort of started – actually, it started um, when I was very young. Uh, I was – into beer tasting and craft beers and I go to beer shows and, and um, I discuss all with all the, all these other beer nerds about like the differences in flavors and stuff like that. that from a very young age, that's when I realized that there was really complexity in food, food and drink. And uh, I was so used to just like the, the Budweiser, like the, the very standard beer. And then once I realized that there's this whole other world of flavor, that's what sort of got me started. Mm. And, uh, it later got me into um, scotch tasting and wine tasting, and I, I'm, I'm big into wine now. Uh, but about um, 
once I got into more like wine sort of got me into the whole science of tasting and I, I, I really stayed away from that whole pompous stuff like it really it really pushed me away from the sort of uh, the pompousness of, of some wine tasting that can be but then um, I started roasting my own coffee and mm. so uh, I was really tired with what coffee was available yeah. uh, like what coffee beans that were available to me so to solve the problem, I built my own roaster. I started going on like coffee roasting forums, and I'd, I'd figure out how to like build roasters from old parts. Wow! Uh, I use like popcorn poppers, and and I would I would roast my own coffee, and then I got into uh, hooking it up to my computer, and I get my time temperature graph, and I really nerded out on on how to roast coffee and how to best taste coffee, and then. So I took a coffee course and it was um, it was all about taste. It was a coffee tasting course and it was all about tasting. And some of the basic uh, things that we did was um, taking acid and uh, like like acid phosphate and put it in water and then like taking uh, glutamate and put it in water and salt and then uh, sugar and um, whatever else, you know, sweet, sour, savory. Oh, yeah. And bitterness. So like uh, it would be um, not gentian, but. Cassia, cassia, you can get food grade cassia, and um, and then so you you'd all dissolve it in water, and it'd be completely clear, and you put like what it is underneath the cup, and then so you'd sort of play like a shuffling with uh, those cups, and you'd have to blindly taste test them, and and basically identify what they are: are they bitter, are they sweet, are they sour, are they salty, are they bitter, mm. and um, and then you'd write it down, and and you take notes, and then later you'd use uh less of a percentage and then so so you'd sort of um oh, wow. get, training your palate for real yeah exactly and then eventually you start combining them and so you'd have sweet and sour and of, of course you'd mix it all up so you wouldn't really know what you're tasting and you'd have to identify it so that that was when i sort of had a, uh started getting a palate for things and uh of course like with with everything else that i nerded out on i um i would make cocktails at home I'm, I was never, bar, like I bartended when I was very like young, when I was 19 years old, like I worked at a banquet hall, but I'm, I've never been, um, like I'm, I specifically am not a bartender at like, uh, a bar in, right now, mm-hmm. but, but I had a really, I still have a very developed home bar. And, um, so at my home bar, I had a, I had a problem one day that, uh, I was mixing a five liter cocktail that I was, uh, aging in a barrel. And, um, I had a few too many Manhattans and I, uh, I, uh, I screwed up the ratio essentially. And I was all out of uh, sweet vermouth and basically I needed something to balance this. I hadn't had the bitters yet and I needed a bitter to balance the cocktail. I needed a bitter to fix the cocktail because right. it, was, it was out of balance and flavor. So of all my, like my shelf of bitters, I'm tasting each and every one of them and trying to figure out which one would best suit it. I eventually picked one and it, and it worked. It worked okay. And um, so that went fine. But then maybe about a year later, um, my partner, Robin, and I, we we then weren't partners. We were just making bitters for fun just to improve our bar. Uh-huh. And we made all sorts of flavors like like key lime pie bitters. We made a, we made a fake Angostura bitters. Uh, I actually like it. We I still have it in cases. It's it's more intense than, than Angle. I find, but mm-hmm. anyway, so we, uh, we did a whole bunch of bitters and, and I eventually said, why don't we just make a set of bitters for, uh, 
balancing out a cocktail. So let's let's make it based on the tongue. So sweet, sour, savory, and salty, and they're all going to be bitter. And I only I wanted this for my home bar. Like I just I just wanted it for myself to to play with cocktails. And so we made it, and it it worked out very well. And then he emailed me one day and was like, "We should we should sell this shit." And I was like, "Okay, nice." So. Uh, so my coffee roasting company got slowly pushed to the side and then Bar 40 Bitters started coming uh, more and more into uh, taking more and more of my time. And so now this is that that's sort of how it started. Very cool. Now I have a, a company that we sell bitters all over the world. Uh, many countries, a lot of retailers in many countries have our stuff. So it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great product. And uh, well, I followed your uh, two Manhattan recipes here. So uh, I've got them side by side here. I haven't tried them yet. But uh, you want to tell us about that? The first one, we have uh, an ounce of rye and an ounce of sweet vermouth and uh, six to eight drops of the um, umami bitters. Umami bitters, yeah. So the umami bitters are the most unique. Uh, I see you tasting it there. So uh, how is it, by the way? It's great. What are the the notes you're getting? Like, so uh, usually with a rye... Um, you get very like uh, the grain notes that are very forward in, in that. And when you use that in Manhattan, it's like a very, um, I call it a dirty style Manhattan. Like it's very, uh, it's complex on your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. I, first of all, I, you know, normally I don't do my, my uh, Manhattan's one-to-one like this. So uh, to me, it's a little, a little sweet. The, uh, the orange is really coming through. Maybe that's too much orange for such a small drink, but uh, the orange is sure coming through. But um, yeah, you get on, on just on the outsides of your tongue here, you really um, you do get that grain that you're talking about. Um, not tannic exactly, but, uh, but it's uh, yeah. Savory, right? Awesome. So the, um, the umami is really unique. Not, not a lot of people are, uh, using umami in, in cocktails and it's getting more and more popular. Uh, we really got, get a lot of people curious about that one. And, um, one of the, the beauties of that is, is, uh, it can really smooth out a harsh cocktail. So like, uh, like you get a cocktail that has a very, uh, a lot of, uh, bartenders will call it strong or that alcohol burn. Right. And, um, so adding umami bitters uh, will actually like smooth that out and really give a perception of body and uh, and smoothness in your drink. Oh, it helps. It helps blend the flavors. I feel like absolutely. Yeah, umami's uh, umami's an all star in terms of the five uh, basic tastes uh, because it can it goes with any of the other tastes. It can it can really boost up everything, right? Whereas like um, like you mix bitter and sour, and it's it's not necessarily, those two don't necessarily go as well together as say bitter and salt does mm. or bitter and sweet. So, um, well, let's explain to anybody who doesn't know what umami is. I mean, originally there were four flavors, the sweet, salt, uh, sour, and bitter. And then this is sort of a, not new, but it's uh, newer than the other four, right? Yeah. Well, we've always had it, but we never had, we never, the, we never had the technical word umami. So savory is what we in North America use for that sense of umami. Uh, to give you the background, the reason why we call it umami, umami is the technical word for savory. It was invented by a Japanese scientist in, in Japan. He, he was the one that uh, identified the flavor receptors on the tongue uh, for savory, but because he's Japanese and speaks Japanese, he called it umami. And uh, so, so umami and savory are unanimous. So it's the same thing. If, if when I say umami and someone doesn't know what that is, I just say savory mm-hmm. and they get it. Mm-hmm. So what what that is is meaty, brothy, 
think like steak, mushrooms, or, or let, let me give you a good example. So let's say like uh, ground beef. Like if you ever tasted like ground beef raw, uh, like just a little nibble of it or like even just smell it. And it, it's quite – it's bland, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of flavor to it. But you fry it and you get all that mired reaction on there and all that browning, that charring, and it really unlocks all the glutamates within it. And then when you eat it, it gives you this real strong meaty taste to it, right? That's mm-hmm. what umami is. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting that these different flavors we're talking about, actually, uh, you taste them in different spots on your tongue, right? Right, right. I, I personally don't believe in the, the spots of the tongue uh, part. Like I, I, we have taste receptors all over our tongue and um, – it's uh, some people like when they taste something, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I can feel that on the side of my cheek or in the back of my throat and stuff like that. And I find from my personal experience, everyone sort of uh, experiences that a little differently. Mm-hmm. So Manhattan number two, we added the uh, sour bitters. To that. Yeah. Basically so the, exactly the same recipe. We just added the uh, sour bitters. Exactly. So uh, the reason why I did that was uh, basically an A-B test. So I wanted you to taste the Manhattan with just umami bitters and how uh, actually ideally I, I should have got you to taste the, the Manhattan without any bitters at all, mm-hmm. then add the umami bitters and see how it affects the flavor. Right. And, and then, so you can note that change. And then, so now the third step would be adding the sour to it. And the point is to see how the, uh, the acids in our sour bitters really open up the cocktail and really brighten it up and give it a sort of vivaciousness um, it can really like a lot of, um, like we often add, um, an orange peel to our Manhattan to sort of give it like that orange oil, but there's just not enough acid in just like a small orange peel to really, uh, affect the cocktail. We really get a strong, uh, orange, uh, scent, which is really fun. So that, that's why I still in the recipe say do an orange peel because it really just adds an, the multimodal drink experience with your nose and the taste. Yeah. But um, we re- uh, adding bar 40 sour has uh, a good amount of sour in it, like acid in, in it. Like we use a malic and citric blend. So uh, it really pops it, pops the, uh, the cocktail, makes it more uh, enjoyable. And, and um, I, I like to use the word bright for sourness. Absolutely. This is, this is a way different experience. I, I like this a lot better. This it's a lot more complex and, uh, there's a lot more going on in your mouth, which I appreciate that. I liked, you know, I like a lot of flavor. I, I like bold flavors that I, I don't like, I don't like it to be subtle, you know? So this is, uh, this is, this is great. I like this one. Awesome. I'm glad you enjoy it. I, I agree with you actually. In that I like a lot of complexity, but that's just me. And you have to recognize that. Like sometimes, uh, you get people who um, just really like simple cocktails, right? right? So you can also use our uh, bar forty for that to exemplify one specific flavor. Let's say, yeah, yeah. Well, that comes with time. The more the more different things you taste and try, the the more you'll enjoy, you know, new experiences and and won't be afraid of stuff. <laughs> that seems to be the biggest challenge. You know, people are people are afraid to try new things in the in the bar sometimes. You know, and it's a shame. You know, they stick with what they know, and it's. Uh, it's a strange uh, phenomenon. I know. I have a bunch of friends that are bartenders, and uh, I'll go to the bar, and usually I'm the guinea pig. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll, I'll let them be creative and do the stuff that they won't test on on normal people. Yeah. 
So yeah, I get I get sometimes I get the real complex stuff. All right, moving on to the Negroni. This is what the same deal. We're gonna do one ounce gin, one sweet vermouth, half. Yeah, I don't mind half Campari. Let's do half an okay. ounce Campari, and then we'll do we'll do it two different ways. So actually, yeah, I'll mix up the first recipe. I know I'm gonna like this one because I uh, I've done I've done uh, Negronis with a salt rim. <laughs> okay. Took some uh, rose, rosemary and toasted that up with some uh, sea salt and uh, rimmed the glass with it. And it's great. The uh, the salt flavors are great with the bitter flavors. Yeah. What do you think? It's great. Yeah. Like I say, the salt just uh, opens it all up. I mean, you know, I, I've been talking to a lot of people about that recently. You know, the salt in cocktails is great. You know, salt makes things taste better. That's why you put it on food. Why not in your cocktail? Exactly. Salt is really interesting in this cocktail, and I, I the reason why I specifically picked the Negroni was um, a lot of people don't like the Negroni because they find it too bitter. Mm. Like, I, I, of, of course, like I like it. Like, I, I taste bitter all the time because I own a bitters company. <laughs> but uh, you get some people uh, like I, I've done shows where I'd offer people a Negroni, and they'd be like, "No, no, no!" Like they they make a scrunchy face. Yeah, they're like. I don't like the Negronis. They're too bitter. I don't like Campari. So the whole point of the salt in the Negroni for this is that it really cuts down the bitterness of the Campari and it lets the grapefruit notes and the citrus notes really shine through. So it really makes uh, adding the salt to or the Barfori salt in a Negroni just really opens it up. It's it's really cool how it can affect the flavor. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between using, say, a saline um, solution and, and your bitters? The salt bitters. Well, bitters, um, like saline solution is just like salt water, uh, for those who don't know it. Um, our salt bitters, we, we, we use Himalayan pink salt, so it adds um, a, a different sort of uh, uh, flavor to the salt that we use as opposed to, like, say, table salt. Sure. Uh, but we also have a blend of flavors in there as well. So it's not just straight um, salt water. Like there is flavors in there, there is bitters, there are other uh, proprietary um, flavors that we throw in there, that are extracts, I should say, that we throw in there to um, give it a bit of flavor as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one, what, the salt's a big seller as well because um, it's not, it doesn't just, it's not just salt. There's actually like some complexity in there as well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so the next recipe, we're going to add um, same recipe, but we add sweet bitters to that. Basically, the you can add on top of that on the on top of that cocktail that you're drinking now. You can add sweetness to it. So the reason why I did this is uh, sweet is also uh, it also helps suppress bitterness. Mm. So uh, if I gave you a variable in the amount of Campari that you can use, and you can you can vary it based on the type of palate that you have. But if you find the 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 drink is still too bitter, like if you find the Campari is way still too bitter with the salt, you can add sweet bitters to it as well. And that will really tone down the Campari. And uh, it just makes things a bit more uh, desirable, if you will, because as humans, we really like sugar and sweet notes, right? Right. I know. That's true. So the sweet's a big bodybuilder, like the strong notes of like vanilla and cocoa, uh, caramel, cotton candy, there, uh, so it it'll really uh, add a complexity to it as well. Wow, just those few drops of the of the sweet bitters make the drink pretty um, sweet, relatively. Yeah, it's pretty; they're pretty intense. Our bitters, um, all our bitters, are pretty intense. Um, we've really improved upon our production since, uh, like, when we first started. Now I'm uh, adding recipes uh, or I'm making recipes by the drop. 
So uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I could see what, you, what you're saying, that that would be a little more uh, accessible for somebody who doesn't like Negronis or Campari. Exactly. To me, exactly. I prefer the previous one. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But uh, but again, everyone's palate is different. So uh, being able to use uh, our bitters as a, as a tool, as a set of tools, so someone says, oh, that's too bitter, and be like, okay, you can just add a couple drops of sweet, and yeah. uh, it just totally changes it for them, right? You can use it as a hack to modify your cocktail for their palate. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. It's a tool, tool in your toolkit. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. So what's, uh, what's next? Any other, uh, projects on your horizon? Anything you can talk about? I'm putting together a gift set, uh, of four 20 mil bottles Mm -hmm. and it's actually going to come with, um, with a little booklet inside of it as well that goes over how to make cocktails at home, some of the basic stuff that you need to get set up and then how to use bitters and cocktails, how to design a cocktail and then how to use our bitters as well. Nice. So it really just gives someone uh, like the home consumer a good building block, a good reference guide for for them to design and create some really good cocktails at home. That's a great idea. I think there's a lot of um, opportunity in, in that market. You know, the uh, the home consumer who wants to drink better, drink better at home, you know, they, they like to drink at, at cocktail bars, but, you know, they want to impress their friends and, and uh, you know, it's a hobby. It's like... Yeah. Right. Like I started out being a cocktail nerd. I had all the tools. I well, I still have all the tools, but like I, I would go buy the things I'd follow my, my cocktail bloggers and they'd come up with a new thing. And like, I'd have to go buy that tool and, and, uh, I'd have all the, all the gizmos and stuff at home. So you can call me an early adopter. I'm seeing more and more people doing that. And I'm seeing more and more people have, um, a home bar, like they'll have like a little table at home, similar to yours behind you there. And, and like, this is not the only one in the house, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What What are the, some of the, some of the cocktail blogs that you like to follow? A lot of stuff online, but uh, mostly like I, I got most of my knowledge from um, books. Yeah. One of my, uh, one of my favorite books right now is uh, liquid intelligence. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love the, the pragmatism that it takes into it. And it really, it really pushes a lot of tradition and just, is data driven. And, uh, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to make my cocktails. Like when, when I'm designing a cocktail, I'm taking notes of it. And like, cause I, I don't work behind a bar. I'm not making cocktails eight hours a day. So I got to take notes as to, so I can remember the next time I make that cocktail, what was good, what wasn't, and how I can build upon that. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, it's a pleasure to meet you and, uh, hope to run into you again one of these days. That'd be great. You know what? I, uh, I'd like to get to New York, uh, sometime in 2016. Oh yeah. Let so me know when you're around. I'll give you a shout. We'll go for a cocktail. Absolutely. Cheer- Beautiful. Cheers, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. Take care. Bye now. Bye. All right, interesting conversation there. There's lots more great interviews lined up for future episodes of Bartender Journey. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stay tuned to the very end of the show for our toast. But first, I'll tell you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. The bar, the website is bartenderjourney.net. You can find me on Twitter at barkeeptips. Feel free to email me for any reason at all. It's brian at bartenderjourney.net. I'd like to hear from you. Hey, is anybody going to San Antonio Cocktail Conference? I haven't made firm plans yet, but I do plan to go. And uh, if you're going, hey, hey, drop me a line. Let me know. And uh, if you've been before, I'd like to hear more about it. Don't forget to go over to Facebook and search for Bartender Journey and like it. Like that Bartender Journey page. All right, here's our toast. A toast is a boast or other compost to a guest or the host or one that we love the most. To a wink, or a girl that is pretty in pink, or any old thing, only for a chance to drink. Cheers, we'll talk to you next time on Bartender Journey.
Yeah.